This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 108 of the On The Banks Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. I'm your host, Aaron Brightman, and managing editor of OnTheBanks.com. Big week uh, ahead, Michigan State, number 11 in the country, undefeated, comes through Rutgers for a rematch after last season's surprising win to kick off Shiano 2.0 with Rutgers uh, winning at Michigan State, famously with those seven takeaways. Can't expect that to happen again this week, but obviously a big matchup. We'll get into that. Uh, Obviously a disappointing showing last weekend against Ohio State. Got their doors blown off pretty early on in what is probably the most painful and longest first quarter I can remember in quite a while. It took an hour. They were down 24 to 6 at the end of that. It was 24 to nothing, but um, uh, really just miserable, miserable start to that game. The fake punt, you know, definitely, in my opinion, an unnecessary risk, you know, in classic Rutgers fans fashion. um, Lots of complaining this week about getting into the game. The scanners, the, you know, the horns should be sounded, uh, you know, I, I don't know, text messages should be sent. I don't know, but it was uh, overall, it was just a kind of a disaster of a, uh, a big game uh, at home. Uh, and hopefully this Saturday was it was just kind of a warm up and get it out of our system going into Saturday against Michigan State. Obviously a team that, um, you know, Rutgers knows they can win. So or knows they can beat. But we'll get into that in a little bit. First, just want to do a little bit of quick recap. Big weekend again for Rutgers Fall Sports. Rutgers Field Hockey, they uh, moved up to number five in the nation today in the new uh, coaches poll. Had a heartbreaking loss on Friday against the number one team in the country, Iowa, undefeated. They gave up two quick goals. It spanned a 16 seconds in the second quarter, but held on uh, in terms of like shut Iowa down after that and uh, scored a fourth fourth quarter goal to make a 2-1. Had some chances at the end, just fell short. They were the um, fir- first team to score on Iowa in nine games. They had eight consecutive shutouts coming in. They were the only third team in the country to hold them at two goals or less. Really went nose to nose with Iowa. They outshot them. They had more corners. Uh, I think they proved to themselves they can they can play with anyone. And uh, even though they lost, I really do think it's a type of loss that will help them down the road. And I think Rutgers has proven they, they can go really far this year, both in the Big Ten uh, t- uh, tournament and the NCAA tournament. Then they bounced back with a big win against Indiana on Sunday. They're 9-2 and two now, 2-1 two and one in the Big Ten. Huge weekend coming up at Penn State, uh, who's ranked number four in the country. So top five battle in Happy Valley. Uh, moving on to women's soccer, huge road trip for them. They won at Minnesota, at Ohio State, two to one in both. They're now up to number eight uh, nationally in the uh, coaches poll that came out today. They're nine and two as well. They're four and zero in the Big Ten. They sit atop the standings with twelve points, tied with Purdue, who does have one loss. Uh, and they now play Michigan this week, Wednesday, a makeup game from a game that was canceled during the hurricane. Huge game. Michigan's very good. They only have one loss all year. And really, a win at home on Wednesday against Michigan would make Rutgers the outright front runner to win the Big Ten title, something no Rutgers team has ever done. Uh, this women's soccer team, after those two losses back-to-back, Princeton and Georgetown, has really just found it. And, uh, you know, they, they have 13 different players have scored, 15 different players have an assist. Uh, it's just the offensive attack has been extremely balanced, and this really does look like the best team that Mike O'Neill potentially has ever had. Obviously, that Final Four team in 15, uh, 2015, but this team has has what it takes, and uh, they really are, uh, if they can, uh, worst-case tie, but if they can get a win against Michigan on Wednesday, look out, because uh, this team is in great shape. Men's soccer had a uh, really uh, good result last week at Maryland, scoreless tie. You know, uh, it was their first points against a top 10 team in six years. 
coming off that disappointing loss to Wisconsin. They're ranked number 22 in this week's poll. Um, they're right there where they need to be, and they have a big, big game against Penn State tonight. We're recording on Tuesday. But Jim McKeldry's team is still in really good position to finish in the top half of the Big Ten and uh, potentially make the NCAA tournament. So hopefully they continue. Rutgers volleyball has hit a little bit of a schneid, Big Ten play. You know, they have not won yet 0-4. But, uh, you know, listen, we didn't expect them to beat ranked teams, uh, I think, early on uh, in this season. I think once they get to the kind of the, the, the soft middle or bottom half of the conference, uh, they absolutely have a chance to, to put together some wins uh, as they did at the end of last year. And then who knows how they do at the end, possibly pull an upset here or there. But I think still forward progress for Caitlin Schweighoffer's team. Um, but it's obviously going to take time, and they're in a far different phase than the other Rutgers teams right now. But getting back to football, before I do, I did want to just mention uh, something I wrote about this week and that someone, Keith Sargent, who was our guest last week, has been writing about was um, uh, former track and field coach uh, Sandra Petway, legendary coach that really never got enough attention. She was the first black coach at Rutgers when she started women's track and field in the 70s. She had a lot of success uh, with that program before leaving in the 80s. But she actually suffered a very tragic accident over the summer in July. And she was hit head on in an automobile accident. And uh, she currently is unable to walk. And she's undergoing a very serious and long recovery. And former Rutgers field hockey coach, Ann Petraco, has started a GoFundMe page uh, to raise money for Coach Petway. They're looking to raise uh, quite a bit, $150,000. they are only about $16,000, $17,000. So I have the information listed on thebanks.com for the GoFundMe page. But if you... If you, uh, the title of the GoFundMe page is Help Sandy Regain Mobility After Tragic Accident. You can also find the link on, on thebanks.com and hopefully Rutgers fans can get together and, and give her a little support. Uh, obviously, a historic coach deserves a lot more recognition for what she did, uh, breaking the color barrier at Rutgers, and we wish her the best. Now, getting back to the game, Michigan State, Rutgers, huge game for both teams. Uh, Chopke, as uh, some people, uh, John Newman has called it, I love it. I think it's great. Uh, you know, being Rutgers uh, coming into Big Ten only seven years ago, we need more rivalries. We need more juice uh, in terms of who we're playing. And if Michigan State wants to go there, let him go there. Uh, I love Mel Tucker uh, for doing that. I'm writing about that this week as well. And, um, you know, it just brings a lot more juice to this game, puts a lot more on the, on at stake for both teams. Michigan State, you know, has uh, recruited New Jersey aggressively. And, you know, listen, there's a lot on the line in this game. And I think for this game for Rutgers, this could really turn the season into a different trajectory. You know, you win this game, seven, who knows, maybe eight wins is possible. A loss, again, doesn't take anything away from them. There's still a, a path to bowl eligibility for them, but a win really just ups the stakes. And they're looking to break that 12-year drought against ranked opponents, 32 consecutive losses since 2009. This would be, you know, th this is an attainable win. This won't be easy, but this is a team that plays a similar style that yes, they're probably more talented, but they're not exponentially more talented, like a even a Michigan per se, as far as recruiting rankings go. Uh, and I think, you know, for, to, to get their team's attention after such a poor showing against Ohio State, this is a great way to reset things. Uh, you know, you have a team that you beat last year that's coming to your house and they're, they're, they're basically looking to chop you down in your own house. So if there's ever a way to get your attention, uh, your team's attention, I think Greg Schiano has it and I expect Rutgers to come out focused. So I, will they win? We'll see. Um, but to help us get prepared and ready for that game, we have uh, David Anderson, longtime on the Banks contributor. Happy to have him back. And then uh, we also have Matt Sheehan, uh, the host of Locked On Spartans podcast and a contributor for SB Nation's Michigan State site, The Only Colors, uh, and excited to both uh, talk both of them, which we will do now. <laughs> 
It's my pleasure to now welcome in longtime On the Banks contributor, David Anderson. His film reviews have become stuff of legend now on the site. Really happy to have him here to review Ohio State and break down the preview for Michigan State. David, thanks so much for being As back. always, appreciate the invitation. Obviously, not a lot of fun things to talk about last weekend's game against Ohio State, but just wanted to get your initial thoughts or biggest takeaways on that performance and how we should look at this team moving forward. That Ohio State game, I mean, I really saw three things from Rutgers' defense have stuck out. One is when Rutgers' defensive tackles are controlled, it's really hard for them to do very much on defense. The second thing is that Ohio State did a great job blocking on the outside. I mean, if there was a biggest difference between why they lost to Oregon and why they put up this you know, national title-worthy performance against Rutgers, it's because their perimeter players, tight ends, wide receivers, they were committed to blocking. And some of that blocking on the outside allowed their quarterback to make some plays. And when he has time to make those plays and they can throw downfield, there's just too much space to cover, particularly for the Rutgers linebackers. And that's why, as I said in my game prediction, Ohio State's always good for 35 points. On the flip side, I would say the Ohio State defense, they were stopping the run with four, five guys max in the middle. Like they were, they were kind of collapsing the inside of the Rutgers line. And then the other thing is that from a passing standpoint, Rutgers relies on maximum protection a lot of times to throw those deep balls. And that was just breaking down because Ohio State was winning their one-on-one matchups. So those are really the things that jumped out at me, more of which was talent related than scheme related. So talking about kind of touching off the talent part, you know, is something that I asked uh, Keith Sargent about after the Michigan game, something I've been kind of pondering was, you know, is the obviously Michigan and Ohio State are a different caliber, Ohio State in particular, in terms of talent and depth. But do you think that the coaching staff is maybe over relying on trick plays or, you know, risk taking that's maybe a bit extreme, trying to bridge that gap in a game instead of maybe playing straight up where I think the Michigan game, they almost surprised themselves that they weren't able to play Michigan more straight up than they, than they maybe suspected going in. And maybe it cost them a little bit, but you know, in particular the Ohio state game, the fake punt on the first drive, it just seemed an unnecessary risk to take early on. Do you think that that's fair to say? And is this something that they need to adjust or really think about moving forward now that we're in a potentially, you know, five, six game winnable stretch here? Well, I'm glad you phrased it in that way where it's not just necessarily trick plays. Really risk-taking is a good way of looking at it because on one hand, we don't want to fall into the the Chris Ash type trap where you think you're going to just go and go ahead and beat a team with superior talent by playing in a conservative manner. Like that, you can't do that. On the flip side, if you have equal or better chances to win by doing these unnecessary risks, it also kind of sends a message to your team like that you don't believe in them right? It has the opposite effect. So it's a delicate balance. And this is where, you know, they always say, if you're a parent, you're a psychologist, you're a teacher, you're a doctor, everything. Like if you're a coach, you are a psychologist. And I think it's really dependent on the coaching staff to know, I mean, do they need to call these type of plays to give their team a jolt? Or do they, are are they actually decreasing their team's confidence by doing so? Uh, And we'll talk a little bit more about that later when we just talk about the Big Ten and the rest of the season. But I, I think that Occasional trick play is good, but on the at the same time, it's more going to be dependent on the creativity to to create space that's not necessarily a, a, a straight up gadget play in that sense. Yeah, good point. So just talking about uh, you know where we're at now. Obviously, Michigan State number eleven, five and zero. Oh, uh, are they really the eleventh best team in the country? You know, hard to say. I I, I would uh, steer on they're not, but. 
Uh, obviously, they've done everything they've needed to do this season so far. Uh, you know, my biggest concern about Rutgers this entire season has been depth in terms of avoiding the injury bug that they did so well last season. Now it's starting to take shape a little bit. You have Bo Melton, Raekwon uh, O'Neal, potentially both will miss Saturday's game. Shiano was non-committal. He didn't say there were long-term injuries, which is a positive, um, but we won't really know, I think, until kickoff uh, on Saturday. Uh, you obviously have uh, Najee Jones out the first half after the targeting call last week. Uh, you have Max Melton and Chris Jones out as well. So I, I guess, is it fair to be concerned that depth is starting to uh, you know, become a little bit of a concern or issue? And how, how, how do you think that will play into Saturday's game against Michigan State? I see two particular areas that it concerns me. One, he's got Melton on Bo, Bo Melton on the depth chart as the starting wide receiver, but that could be a smoke screen. I mean, I, I would do that just so that they have to prepare for it. Not having him is a major concern because he's the only one in the offense that is a true Swiss Army knife. Like they try to use other guys in these roles, but he can take a reverse, a pitch, a screen, any of that. He can go deep, he can go short, he can go over the middle. They don't they don't have anybody else that can do that. They they would have to be replacing it by committee, which I think they're in a better position to do than in the past, but Melton is is a huge loss. Defensive backfield depth is a major concern as well. When I look at how Christian Izian and Avery Young have been playing, like they've been doing a good job, but if one of those guys was out and their only proven backup is Jones, who's out for the first half of this game, I mean that that could be a concern. Like Robert Longerbeam, I think is going to be a good player, but he, you can tell, is still kind of feeling it out, just like Elijah Clark. So I, I, those guys, if they have to play, they have to play. And they, they, could, they could surprise us. But defensive backfield depth is definitely a concern, which is less of a concern in a passing game because most of the opponents are going to play. It's going to be more important that they tackle well. And I think what you saw from Ohio State is when these guys were tested in space to make tackles, their inexperience really showed. On the offensive line, obviously, I want O'Neal to be healthy. I think he's the best run-blocking tackle. They do have Bordner and Holland Pierce who have played. Overall, though, I'm not as concerned about offensive line depth outside of maybe left tackle because I think they've got a number of players who can who can participate in games and not completely kill them with what they're trying to do. But I would definitely say Bo Melton being out would be a huge blow. And then defensive backfield depth, I mean, that's really a concern now with Max and Chris Long still out as well. One thing about Michigan State is, uh, you know, in looking at their defense, I was surprised to find out they've actually, they allow 25 first downs a game in the Big Ten by far the most. Opponents on third and fourth down are converting at a 46% clip. Rutgers, obviously, we know they need big plays, but but the reality is they're probably going to need to sustain several drives to produce scores in this game. With Melton out, you know, who are you looking for in the receiving quarter step up in his absence if he can't play? It's a good question. I would say Brandon Sanders looked good in the second half against Ohio State. But when I was watching this on film, I don't think those passes will be as effective as they were because Ohio State basically plays a defense inside out type of approach. Like if you want to make that pass to your slot receiver, we'll let you complete the pass 100% of the time and then we're just going to go tackle him. Michigan State plays an opposite style where there, if you just look at the lineup for their slot corner, he plays at least six feet further out to try to tell your their opponents, like, you need to funnel the ball inside. So I don't think that those plays to Sanders would necessarily be open as often. What might be open is if you can get a really, really quick, whether it's Kirkshank or maybe Youngblood, to just kind of attack the seams and really get some inside slant breaking routes. 
And the other thing Michigan State does is they do read and react and they occasionally ball watch in, in the term you'd use in, let's say, a different sport like soccer. You, okay, you could call it cluing or keying. That's more like appropriate thing to call it in football. But those spots are open, especially for tight ends and in, in those same areas. So I would think maybe some of those, that touchdown that worked to Kurukshank last game, that type of play could work. Same thing with the similar type of play they ran to Shameen Jones, who's going to be able to break a few tackles. Those are going to be the type of ways that they're going to have to do it and then figure out who's going to run a deep pattern. Like, I, I don't know who that's going to be. The one other adjustment that I think they could make is playing Isaiah Washington more in the slot. He's proven quite effective there, more effective there than on the outside. So that might be another thing to look for. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Shameen Jones. I think this, you know, I agree with what you're saying about the slot and all that, but I think Shameen Jones is someone that we've seen when he gets in rhythm, you know, he can really be effective, especially on third down. And I I think they're going to have to rely on him in this game. Even if Melton plays, I think you're, you're going to have to get something out of Shameen Jones more than they have so far. Uh, just yep. in terms of what you've seen on film, you know, and doing your weekly reviews and what you even saw against Ohio State, you do a really good job of, of, pointing out certain things of, of why it bodes well for the future, you know, understanding what the coaching staff is doing in the moment that it's, you know, really towards working towards, you know, future game plans and things like that. You know, what have you seen that is encouraging now that Rutgers is entering this stretch where, you know, Michigan State, obviously a challenging opponent, but potentially, you know, certainly a game that they could win based on last year. Uh, and then you have Northwestern, Illinois, even Wisconsin at home now. You still have, you're at Indiana, Maryland at home, really other than Penn State, you know, all these games are potentially winnable. What, what have you seen from the coaching staff on film that leads you to believe that, you know, there's signs of maybe turning a corner in a certain area? Yeah, so I guess I'll start with the offense. So the first thing is that Rutgers is actually a really, really good screen to the running back team. Now, one of the reasons that this has fallen short is because Isaiah Pacheco's dropped a few balls. But these screens are set up really well, that they can make chunk plays even on third and long based on how well their linemen are blocking downfield. So they haven't totally unleashed that, but kind of reminds me of that game against Wisconsin a few years ago when they just killed him in the second half with, you know, Raheem Blackshear taking screens from Sikowski and like most of his passing yardage came on those type of plays. So that's something that I think this we haven't seen. The second is that the wide receiver screens, they have a wide range and arsenal of different types. So as I mentioned, the way Michigan State plays their coverage versus the way Ohio State plays their coverage, like Rutgers has some options there that will vary by the opponent. Like we saw different types of throws against Syracuse than we saw against Michigan, than we saw against Ohio State. So that's encouraging that that short passing game, they have some options there. Uh, On defense, or I guess on both sides of the ball, I would say that Rutgers is playing higher ceiling athletes. So the fact that they're getting reps bodes well. Like Troy Rainey, he's much less experienced than someone, let's say, Brian Felter. But at this stage of their careers, Troy Rainey just can rely on pure pure strength more. And so giving him opportunities to play, same thing with Holland Pierce. And then we're starting to see it on defense as well with, you know, Tyreen Powell, for example, maybe even Musley Bailey. Like, I think that these guys physically are more ready than a lot of Rutgers freshmen we've seen in the past. The other thing that I've seen on film that's quite impressive is I think Avery Young and Christian Izian is turning out to be one of the better safety duos in the conference. Young gets better every game with his tackling angles. Now, I know he was posterized once by Olave in the last game, but he he's definitely taken to the safety position. And then the other thing is that Rutgers went with a straight vanilla game plan in that second half. I mean, they have done a pretty good job of kind of not showing their whole hand which I think is going to be really important as we get to your later question about like all these different teams that they're going to be facing. 
in terms of the matchup this Saturday against Michigan State, what what sticks out in your mind in terms of uh, a couple of keys uh, for the outcome of this game? Well, the first thing I'll say is these teams are 85% identical in terms of how they play, their personnel, their coaching philosophy. So anything I'm about to say is that like 10 to 15% variance. Everything else is the same. So both teams are going to rely on winning the turnover and special teams battles, like period. Like whoever wins that probably wins this game because they're both reliant so much on those two things. Now, both teams are going to have to make some decisions. They both rely on heavy, you know, slants and stunting packages up front, which can sometimes bite them from behind. One of the things they won the game against Nebraska by confusing Nebraska as to when that was coming. And they had a few key stops. So I think Michigan State might be slightly better than Rutgers in this area, like setting up their opponent and tricking them up front. Though I do think Rutgers has better talent in the front four. I think, you know, Michigan State does show some scheme. Another thing, both teams are vulnerable in the seams. So whichever team can attack the seams is going to be a huge thing. Both teams telegraph their short yardage package. I think Rutgers is a little bit, just like Michigan State's a little bit more creative on defense. I think Rutgers is a little bit more creative on offense. And I think that short yardage is going to be a huge factor because both teams, when they think they can just run you over, they can't. And then the last thing that I'll say is that the quarterbacks play different style. So in Michigan State's case, since they rely on, like I said, they they don't rely on their higher ceiling athletes. They rely on the guys who they can trust. They, to overcompensate for that on offense, have to do a lot of rollouts and they use that to hit their speed receivers. So really their game plan is run inside to open up this like rollout passing game. And then they have two quick receivers in Reed and Naylor that are very like old school West coast offense type of guys who are going to try to get separation and run away from people. And they're going to try to hit them on the run. Like that's, that's their style of play which Rutgers runs a slightly more stationary or more traditional passing route concepts. And they run more of them, but Michigan state does what they do pretty well. And if you're vulnerable to the inside run, everything else is on the table. Just a couple more for you. I of course wanted to get your thoughts on Michigan state Rutgers. Is this now a budding rivalry? Obviously uh, almost inexplicably Mel Tucker has taken this keep chopping motto and really uh, been very prominent in using it this season. You know, I, I listen, I, I don't think Rutgers has outright claim to it forever. Obviously it's come from other ways. It's been well-documented where Shiano got it from um, Dr. Elko and, and other teams have used it, but you know, how curious do you find it that a coach would willingly take this on with knowing that, you know, there's another team in his own division that has used this for years? Um, you know, is it intentional? The fact that Tucker has recruited New Jersey really hard and has he kind of unnecessarily made this a bigger game, big picture wise, than it, than it necessarily would have been? If he wins, it was worth it. If not, then yes, I think he unnecessarily gave Rutgers more bulletin board material than the other way around. Had this not been the case... I would say Rutgers might be the one coming into this game overconfident because they beat Michigan State last year on the strength of turnovers, not by just beating them man on man. So, yeah, do I think Tucker may be overplaying his hand a little bit? Yeah, especially when Rutgers is trying to play like, you know, a 2009 version of Michigan State, who's now trying to play a 2020 version of what Rutgers was. Like, it's kind of a bizarre <laughs> like circle that we have going. I mean, what's particularly interesting to me is that there's really seven teams in the big 10 that try to play the exact same way, which is win the turnover battle, win special teams, be as conservative as you can until you don't need to anymore. And three of those teams are Michigan, Michigan state and Rutgers. Those are the three from the Eastern division. So the fact that you're kind of trying to go head to head and say, okay, we're going to play the exact same way as you and beat you at your own game. It's kind of bold. And I'll, I'm curious to see what happens. And then the cool thing about it is when the teams play this way, it always comes down to X factors. I mean, I see 
like Connor Hayward, he's guy he's gotten massive. Like he's a huge edge factor. If Michigan State can get him the ball, vice versa, like if Mo Ture can generate pressure, like that's awesome. So like those single players are going to be a bigger difference. And I'm curious if Tucker knows that and is using it as recruiting motivation. Like it's really interesting to see. I mean, my bigger question from a rivalry standpoint is if I remember my sixth grade history correctly, shouldn't Spartans be wearing red? Because I'm pretty sure that in the you know Peloponnesian Wars that they were red. Athenians were blue, so I'm not sure where this whole green thing comes from. Very good point. I like the history note. And last question for you, big picture this season, everything that's happened so far, the good, the bad, where we're headed now into week six, where do you stand on Rutgers going bowling at the end of this season? Well, my original season prediction was five and seven, which I'll admit. I do think it's going to be that or six and six. To your point earlier, Penn State, they could win, but that, that's a talent gap. And Penn State is a terrible matchup for them, as we saw last year. But that means the other six games are a toss-up. And of those six games, four of those teams play the exact same style as Rutgers. Michigan State, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Northwestern. Now, I think that Illinois and Northwestern might be a notch below the other teams, but we'll find out, right? And hopefully we find out in a positive way. And then Indiana and Maryland are complete wild cards. I, I see them not winning both those games, because those teams try to play completely different. Like they try to throw the ball. They want to throw the ball. They want to attack you vertically. They don't care as much about turnovers. So overall though, you got six toss up games. You got to take three. If you don't take three, it'll be a disappointment. They only win one. It could be borderline disaster. Not like I'm saying the staff is like going to get fired or the recruiting class is going to fall completely apart, but it's really not going to be very impressive. So I do think that they'll win two. They should win three. They could win all of them. Like in a good season, you know, you take all six. I don't think this team will take all six, but if they were to win four, I wouldn't be that surprised. I think that it's going to come down to one thing, which is if all these teams are playing the same style of football, right, then somebody's going to come into the game a little bit more creative than the other. And if those risks work to your earlier question, then that team will win. If those risks don't work, that team will lose. And I have a little bit more faith in the Rutgers coaching staff than these other coaching staffs this time around in Shiano 2.0, that they will be more flexible with their scheme. If this was Shiano from 2007, I would say no. I would think they'd you know find ways to not be flexible enough. But for that reason, I, I do think they'll win three games. I think they'll go to a bowl game. It's possible that they'll win four. It's possible that they you know injury bug hits and they don't. But I, I do think I'll adjust my prediction and say I, I do think they will go for a bowl game this season. David Anderson, thank you so much for all your great insight. Really appreciate it. Always fun to talk to you. Thanks for coming back. Look forward to having you again soon. Appreciate the time. And uh, hopefully they can break the losing streak against ranked teams this weekend. It's now my pleasure to welcome in Matt Sheehan, host of Locked On Spartans podcast and a contributor for the Only Colors, SB Nation's Michigan State site. Happy to have him here to talk about this Saturday's game. Matt, thanks so much for being here. No, hey, thrilled to be on, man. Thanks a lot for uh, for having me on. This will be awesome because I assume seven turnovers won't happen this Saturday. So I'm already in a good mood. Let me knock on wood really quick, but yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm right there with you. Rutgers is going to win this game. It's definitely not going to be uh, with seven turnovers. But just touching base, uh, how this season has gone so far, obviously – Seems like best case scenario, 5-0 and start, number 11 ranked in the country, year two of Mel Tucker. What were expectations coming in? Have they exceeded those expectations and have they changed now moving forward the rest of this year? Yeah, that's a great line of questions. I, I feel like I'm having a fever dream right now. Uh, listen, the Vegas over-under was four and a half. And a lot of state fans, of course, were like, I don't think it'll be that bad. I mean, it, probably six and six. I mean, we, we had to 
let a lot of kids go through the transfer portal. That was not a Big Ten caliber roster, and Mel knew that. And he ushered more than 30 kids out of the program and brought in somewhere around 20 kids that could play Big Ten football, which is very nice. And yeah, before the season, you're like, okay, it might be like three and two after the start of the year. I mean, Miami, no way we're going to win that game. And, oh my goodness gracious, we just beat Miami. Oh my goodness, West Kentucky. Oh my God, Nebraska, we just stole a game from. It's like, we're 5-0, and ranked 11 in the country. So yeah, it's it's been amazing. I, I will caveat it, and state fans are going to hate this. Not a murderer's row of teams necessarily. 5-0, and but only one of those teams, Nebraska, has beaten a Power 5 team. It's not the hardest competition, but I will not apologize for 5-0. and That's 5-0, and baby. So <laughs> has expectations changed? Yeah, I think like now it's it's got to be like 8-4. and four. I, I don't want to say 9-3. and three. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But I feel like that's the new expectation now. Like can you go 3 and – let me do the math here. 3 and whatever the rest of the games are uh, right there. 3 and 4. 3 and 4. See, that's the Spartan math right there going for me. Yeah, so that's the new expectations going on the rest of the season for us. You know, talking about the roster turnover, obviously quarterback was a big uh, issue last season. Peyton Thorne's come in. What kind of impact has he made? And, uh, I mean, the offense right now is, you know, fared pretty well. Big Ten, uh, third in scoring, fourth in total yards. I think they're averaging close to 40 points a game. You know, is this sustainable? And, and what has improved this year with Thorne at quarterback? Yeah, so if any state fans are listening, they'll bang their head into the drywall because I beat this into the ground after every single game, but he's just so smart with the ball. I mean, he rarely, rarely throws it in a spot where it's a little dicey. He takes calculated risks when you absolutely have to have them. Like, he doesn't try to jam a ball in a tight window on second down, for example. And what also helps, too, is he has dynamite weapons around him, like Kenneth Walker. He's a transfer from Wake Forest who's absolutely killing it so far. Jaden Reed, who? You'll find this out in the broadcast, I guarantee you. They're high school teammates, Jaden Reed and Peyton Thorne. And then also Jalen Naylor, who's a speedster himself. So it's a culmination of all those working together. And it's surprising, too, because I didn't think Peyton Thorne was going to get the job to start the year because he was a sophomore. But they got this fifth-year transfer in from Temple, Anthony Russo, big arm, big player. But they went with the guy who's going to be smarter with the ball. And so far, as he has, I think, just one interception this year, so far, so good. So, yeah, I mean, you can't go the rest of the season with just one interception in five games. But the point is... He's just a smart quarterback, which not the case last year for uh, most of the season. It was ugh. well, Rutgers fans are familiar with Anthony Russo because he was originally committed to Rutgers uh, sure. many years ago, and then ended up at Temple. So uh, hopefully, you know, as twisted as we can be as fans, we don't want to see Russo in this game because uh, right. there's, you know I'm sure he'll end up come out. He'll throw. He'll go throw ten for ten for three hundred and three <laughs> touchdowns. But uh, just talking about, you know, that offense, obviously, uh, you know, Jaden Reed, he reminds me of Bo Melton in terms of his production and kind of what he means to uh, Michigan State. But but I, I was curious to ask you just in terms of how reliant they are on big plays, you know, only 11th best in third down conversions this year. Have they struggled a little bit there? And, um, you know, if they're not able to kind of break some big plays, have they had trouble sustaining drives uh, throughout a game? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, just like you point out the third down conversion thing, it- leaves a little to be desired but sustaining drives what, what I point to again is Kenneth Walker our running back and what he does is he'll take runs that should be losses of two or stop to the line of scrimmage and he'll chew off five yards like they're the most fascinating five yard runs that you'll ever see or like maybe it's just okay this should go for three yards like he'll turn it into 11 so we can sustain it but I mean it's like most teams you do that by the ground Jaden Reed like I it's crazy like it's just it's just how he plays I mean it, it's big game capable all the time I think he's second in the conference for yards per catch or third in the conference or something like that. But yeah, I mean, got two big play receivers. So what Michigan State's defense likes to do is keep the game in front of them. Just let, you know, Ben don't break. 
So I wonder if Rutgers is going to have the same strategy here with Michigan State. Obviously, easier said than done. Reed's an incredible talent, and Naylor is very fast too. But I, I think that's the way you beat State right there is, okay, let them get their yards, but once it gets to red zone time, buckle up and batten down the hatches. Yeah, I agree with you. We talked about this before. That, you know, Both teams play in a very similar way, need, need the same things to happen to have success. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking about that defense, you know, how have they performed this year? Uh, and in terms of, you know, how, how tested have they really been with the competition they faced so far? Yeah, I think pretty tested. I mean, just like we said earlier, it's it's not been a murderer's row of teams so far, but it's teams with fine offenses like Miami. Okay, they have Charleston Rambo going off for like, I think it was like 150 some yards. I mean, Derek King was still playing for Miami back then. So that was a, a solid test. And against all these teams, they've done a, a very good job at stopping the run. Now, it's the pass which has some state fans worried because they are giving up a lot of yards. But, I mean, it's it's weird. They keep it all in front of them. It's a cover three. So, okay, fine, you'll get your eight yards, ten yards. But once you get close to the end zone, we're, that's where we start to tighten up. Now, how sustainable can that be against, you know, as you get in a more talented part of your schedule? We're about to find out, unfortunately. I wish I had a better answer than that. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a solid showing from the defense. I would say secondary has been fine. But the, the front six, I, pretty damn solid, I, I should say. I mean, it's been... A delight, yeah. I'm curious because, you know, Rutgers leads the Big Ten in uh, fourth down attempts. They're, they're 8 of 18 this season. Michigan State's actually – the teams love to go for fourth down against Michigan State. Obviously, yeah. it hasn't mattered, but they've given up 15 of 19. Uh, ha, is there any trend there or is it just, you know – I mean, it obviously hasn't, you know, decided the outcome because Michigan State's undefeated, but is that a concern moving forward? I don't think so. I mean, the, the best trend I like, and this is a small sample size, but it makes me sleep better at night, is West Kentucky went for it four times on fourth down, and they only went two for four on that. And more so also on third down, I think they went seven for 17 on third down as well. So no, I, it, it's not anything that I'm super losing sleep over. But, but yeah, I, I have noticed that too. It's like, I, I swear, like we're seeing five fourth down attempts against State every single week. So I'm glad you pulled that stat off. Yeah. Talking about special teams, uh, obviously Reed, he's returned two punts for touchdowns already. Um, you know, has been really good in the return game on kickoffs as well. How has Michigan State been special teams wise overall? And how much do they rely, you know, on that field position wise with their coverage teams? And, and yeah. do you see this as a key matchup going against Rutgers has fared pretty well on that end as well? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've almost passed out the last two games because watching him return a kick to the house, like the, the last uh, better part of a decade, you're better off just putting a plank of wood as your return man than sending anyone over. MSU's return game has been abysmal until uh, Jaden Reed shows up and it's like, oh my God, this guy can actually return a kick for more than five <laughs> yards. Oh my God, he's going to the end zone. Like, this is crazy. So yeah, that, that's been uh, that, that's been crazy to see. Just uh, not only, you know, a good return man, but also a coach that puts their best athletes as return men as well. And I get the reluctance there too. Michigan lost their best receiver first game of the season by putting their star receiver back there. So I understand the reluctance, but it's working. I mean, we got two touchdowns. We got a guy that can return. And on the flip side too, like our punter, I think he's added something like 11 yards per punt onto his average from last season. It was MSU's punt coverage team was just terrible last year. It was either just the the guys that they had in coverage or the punting itself wasn't that great either, but that's been completely night and day from last year. Just, just like the return game. So yeah, I love this punt talk for a big 10 podcast. That's (laughs) yes. Love that. Love that. (laughs) So talking about last year a little bit, you know, the matchup specifically Michigan state Rutgers, obviously, Last year was one of those you just kind of throw it out the window, I think, with COVID and um, the way the season started without having a traditional training camp. Mel Tucker, obviously, I believe was hired in February of that year. Yeah. So uh, only about, you know, really seven months before that season started. Um, you know, it just, it, I, I guess I'm surprised. I wanted your take. Seems like Michigan State fans are a little extra salty this week 
when it comes to talking to Rutgers, that almost I, I saw a couple comments that there was bad blood, that Rutgers was dirty or, you know, talked a lot last year. I just kind of wanted to get your insight on dirty. is it, is cool. it, uh, is it one of those things where Michigan State's just so used to being good that, you know, it was almost like a shock to the system that a team like Rutgers could go there and win? Yeah, it's probably that, but also more so, like, you guys have the ultimate upper hand. I mean, we see this in the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry all the time, is that Michigan will, you know, talk a bunch of smack, and we just say, well, look at the score. Like, we, we beat you. Like, we <laughs> we have the upper hand right here. So it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, we'll, you know, talk smack about Rutgers, but now it's like, well, we beat you guys last year. It's like, that's right, they, they did. So, yeah, we're we're a little on edge right now. Of course we are. Yeah, we're, we're, ch- we're champing at the bit over here to hopefully right the wrongs of last year. And, yeah, it, it was uh, – just like a tough game last year. I mean, obviously this doesn't excuse the loss. Seven turnovers and seven turnovers, but Mel Tucker, like he he was introducing himself to guys on the sideline, like before the game, like, hi, I'm your coach. I know we haven't met before, but nice to meet you. Can you play linebacker for me really quick? I mean, it's what, what could, what could he have done in that situation? So yeah, I mean, we're safe to say MSU fans over here, we're excited for a rematch with a little more normal of an off season and lead up to the game. Then hey, three weeks of practice, go get them guys. Put you on the spot here. You know, I, I know Mel Tucker's an old school coach. He's 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 been in a lot of programs. He uses you know many mantras. Just sure. your take on the whole keep chopping thing. Uh, it, it you know from our perspective, it's a little odd. Me uh, being that you know Shiano's used this since 2005. Uh, you know we believe Rutgers is known for it. It's part of the culture. Mel Tucker, you know, not even last year did he use it that much. And then it just seems for whatever reason this year he's really pushed it. You know, Rutgers even has a copyright on it for merchandising. Uh, wow. You know, uh, uh, Michigan State, you know, is obviously recruiting New Jersey really hard. Do you think it's like an epic troll job by Tucker and what he's uh, doing? Or, or do you think he's just an innocent kind of honest old school football coach? This is a good thing to say. Honest to God, I, I, I got to plead ignorance here. I, I I did not know this was like a, a Rutgers thing either, especially to the point where it was copyrighted. Like, I just learned that when you said that. So, <laughs> listen, like you said, Mel Tucker loves, loves his mantras. I, we've got Relentless. I've written them all down at the time. We've got Relentless. we got Deep Water. we got Chop. Uh, I, I know I'm missing about 58 more. But, yeah, like the, the guy the is woodshed. just a football guy through and through. Woodshed, thank you. That's another one. Woodshed, yeah. write that down. Uh, I'm sure by week seven he'll be saying the process or um, – <laughs> that we're all in I, like listen i just think it's like a football guy thing i said this on lock on spartans yesterday it's like foot, football guys aren't necessarily too creative i feel like it's just the same six seven mantras that fly around all the time like clemson uses all in that makes them like the 280th team probably in the state of south carolina if you include the high school teams or peewee teams that use the term all in so i i listen maybe i'm naive i don't think that he means to steal from Rutgers or anything like that i just think it's how he wants to do business here and yeah that's that's kind of how i see it so i plead in ignorance but hey i i could be wrong i, I, I could be right i like that i i could see that point of view i guess so now uh, follow up knowing that you know it is a big deal to Rutgers and the team and, and shiano and, and the fan base and everything does that make you maybe a little more concerned or nervous going into this game that all of a sudden there's there's maybe a more not, not more importance but a little bit more juice added into this game you know what? And I, again, brought that up in my podcast yesterday. It's like, I, I think that's also why Greg Schiano did that as well. Cause the Ohio state game did not go well for you guys at all. And that's not a dig that never goes well for Ohio state for most teams in the big 10. So probably down in the dumps a little bit, you'll get whatever you can to stoke some flames in your locker room. If that's going in front of the media and putting out some sound bites that like, well, screw these guys. They're taking our culture from us. Like it's pretty, it's pretty damn smart, Greg. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, if that's, what's going to motivate your players, Hey, I'm not against that at all. It, 
it probably will work. Honestly, it's it's so far working <laughs> with the fan bases right now. I'm sure inside the locker room over in Piscataway, it's going to be doing sensational numbers over there. So yeah, I mean, if if not for nothing, I don't know if it gets me more nervous, but it definitely gets me more fired up for a for a noon kickoff on what channel is that? Big Ten Network that that, that usually get me fired up for. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm all for it. I, I have something in the works I'm writing on it. I, I love it. I love that Mel Tucker's doing there it. I think it makes it more fun. We need we need more rivalries. And uh, I don't know if we're obviously not at a rivalry point yet, but I think it puts more stakes on this. If Rutgers wins this game, I think, you know, it's re- really going to uh, stick with Michigan State a little bit more. And, and maybe this does yeah. become a rivalry down the road. Last question. You know, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. How do you think this game is going to go? And, uh, you know, what what is your prediction for, for ultimately how – Things will play out on Saturday. Yeah, and like I, I always look at the line in Vegas to see how it ends up too. I think it opened up at six, and immediately like an elevator just dropped all the way down to three and a half, and now it's at five. So it's like I, that's already got me uh, in a tizzy, all sorts of confused. I, I just expect uh, you know a close game. I don't think either team's going to win by double digits, but I expect just weirdness. You know, maybe not seven turnover weirdness, but just some weird weird happenings going on in Piscataway. So with that said, let's let's just throw a weird number out there. Give me MSU twenty five. Rutgers 19. How about that for two great football numbers? Those are always like the two numbers that you get in Super Bowl squares. And you're trying to do the calculus in your head of how on earth is each team going to get there. But yeah, that's, I I mean, it's just, it's, it's tough. I I think both teams are going to be doing the whole bend don't break thing of keep the game in front of us. Okay. Crookshank. Yeah. You'll go off for 397 yards, but we'll hold you to one touchdown, you know, stuff like that. Or Reed, you know, you, you could blitz us for 222 first half yards, but that'll result in just three field goals. I just stuff like that. So it's, it'll be a wonky game. I'm starting to get scared for it as we have this conversation now. And uh, yeah, I think this is uh, tonight is the night where I start to lose sleep on what's going to happen this Saturday. So good <laughs> chat. Great. Now I'm in a great state of mind right now. Matt Sheehan, thank you. Mission accomplished then. I'm, I'm happy that that's the end result. <laughs> Find him on Twitter, Sheehan underscore sports. He's uh, the host for uh, Locked on Spartans podcast, contributor, uh, the only colors, uh, great Michigan State site, SB Nation. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. I uh, had a lot of fun and uh, good luck on Saturday. No, this was a blast. We'd love to be back on during basketball season, which I'm sure will scare me as well. So, yeah, let's let's get it popping. Thanks so much to David Anderson and Matt Sheehan for being on this episode of the On the Banks podcast. Great stuff from both entertaining. And, uh, you know, listen, this is going to be a fun game. This is why, uh, you know, Rutgers is in the Big Ten. A lot to play for. You know, I think uh, any rebuild is going to have ups and downs. Uh, you know, there's a decommit this week with Davison. Um, uh, you know, his brother uh, is on the team already, Desmond. You know, listen, I think uh, there's no rebuild that is linear and straightforward and and all positive. And uh, maybe it's been a few rough days for Rutgers. But uh, again, that makes me even more kind of uh, optimistic for Saturday. I really think that this is a game that Rutgers can win. And uh, I really expect a spirited effort out of them. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a fun game. You know, we'll see what happens. So, uh, but check us out at onthebanks.com for all our coverage of Rutgers. We have Big Ten Media Day for uh, men's and women's basketball. At the end of the week, we'll have full coverage there and uh, a lot more with the full sports and, and getting into winter soon as well. But thank you for listening again and uh, appreciate all the support here at On The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.